0: Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by UnderAGaslitLamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Ah!
1: Villains and gather round for this week's episode of Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. In true Aston Villa fashion, just as we all get comfortable with winning ways, they bring us back down to earth with a bump. So we're here to try and pick ourselves up from the defeat at Forest as we look ahead to a big week with two games at Villa Park.
0: I'm your host, Andy, and this week I'm joined again by Dan. Hi Andy, hi listener. Uh, it's good to be back in our comfort zone, isn't it? I, I can talk about defeats. I know how to do that. I'm, I've got plenty of practice. Yeah.
1: Well, Craig Craig was saying last week that he thinks that uh, the human condition is that we're we're more comfortable with failure than success. <laughs> um, and I wonder if uh, we all feel a bit a bit a bit more comfortable this week, maybe, even though it was. Obviously disappointing to to lose the game um, at the weekend. I just wanted to ask you, really, before we um, this is just a bit off the uh, off the notes. Um, how how were you feeling, kind of going into the game? Because I was I was I, ha- I was overcome with this, um, you know. Great sense of confidence. I just didn't feel we we could lose to a team like Forrest. But
0: I. What was your feeling? I was the opposite. Yeah, you and Craig were both very confident when when we were messaging in the morning. I felt the complete opposite. I was I was nervous about this one, not because. Forest are a great side or anything but but one of my mates is a big Forest fan and you know what it's like when one of your good friends supports a team and you come up against them it, it just feels like life comes for you at that moment so I was like whatever form has happened <laughs> it doesn't matter we're going to get beaten and it turned out you know we'll come on to it Forest will turn over a few teams if they play like that at home they were you know we we lost that game rather than got beaten but they played well on the day and and it was a. Uh, it turned out to be a bit of a banana skin for for Unai Emery. They're excellent at home, aren't they? I think they're they're very hard to beat at
1: home, and I think really they've they've perhaps um, gone a bit not under the radar, but they've not they've not really been tested at home, and it's not and it's not brought the best out of them this season so far. Whereas I think Villa turning up was 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 prime for them to to really sort of. Get their season off and running, really. And I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Steve Cooper. Um, I think he's a, I think he's a really excellent coach and a really excellent tactician. Um, and all right, he he employs certain tactics which you know perhaps Villa have moved away from in the last year or so. Um, but it, it, you know, it will keep them in in the in the mid table and away from the relegation zone. And I think. I think that's that's excellent. I also think they've 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 done some good recruitment. I think they've improved their team, their first eleven from last season, and you know, um, is it
0: just an eleven? Is it uh, not the first forty anymore, or, or however? <laughs> You'd have figured if you buy enough players, eventually you put a half decent eleven together. But I kind of get, I get your point, <laughs> yeah. I, and I kind of I really like Steve Cooper too, and I think. There were a couple of really interesting things. One, I think he's he's built a team that is tailor-made to beat this Aston Villa side. It was all pace and directness, but with, I think what impressed me the most was how defensively solid they were. I think man for man, they were great against us. But I think the other tell him thing, not to, not to talk down to Forest fans, but I will do, it was like a big club was in town, you know. I, I remember times at Villa Park when you had a United or a Liverpool or someone come and the crowd are up from it for the first minute. You feel like there's a big scalp on the line. And I think that's uh, that's something we can kind of take a bit of heart from is that the place was clearly rocking early doors because a big club was in town. You know, we're we're a team on an upward trajectory, and and it felt like a little bit of a giant killing, which which is an odd thing when you consider Forest's stature as a team in the past. But yeah, I thought I thought it was really interesting how how up for it the crowd were from minute one, and it felt like. Whether they'd been G'd up especially for this encounter or whether the fat villa were coming to town did it I found it interesting how much of an atmosphere there was on a two o'clock on a sunday for a game that that probably wasn't that important for them
1: well i i do think they've they've made a made a bit of a point probably since their their run to the to the premier League really. Their home atmosphere is tremendous um, at City Ground, and yeah, it's it's excellent. It's a good it's a good um, uh, advantage that they that they give to their team, and I'd I'd really like that kind of thing at Villa Park. We do have it sometimes, um, but it also it's a, a Villa Park is more of a. You know, give me something to shout about type of crowd. I think, and I would rather it the other way around, um, a bit more like it is at Forest. But you know, they're still, you know, they're they're obviously um, just enjoying enjoying being back up there as where they belong. Really, I think Forest should be in the Premier League, and, and it's good to see them there, but not good to see them some see them beating us, um, really. But uh, it was a it was an unchanged. Uh, team which was perhaps a little bit of a surprise um zaniolo kept his place we we talked a fair bit about zaniolo last week um myself and craig um and some of the stick he's been getting but he he, he kept his he kept his place ahead of leon bailey lots of people thought bailey would get the start um good to see um alex moreno back on the bench as well um and i think luca dean is I heard is a, a booking away from a suspension, so it could be good timing there.
0: Yeah, and Moreno coming back is going to be great for this side. It's it's easy to forget how important he was for us last year towards the tail end. He was he was crucial to the way we played, and and Luka Dean has done admirably in his absence. But I thought it was uh, not one of Luka Dean's better performances this weekend. I felt he could have he could probably still be crossing today, and he wouldn't put one on someone's head. It was one of those afternoons, and. I think I caught a bit of you and Craig talking about Zaniolo, and I think the problems we're having with Zaniolo and maybe with Luca Dean a bit is is we're starting to see that depth stretched thin. You know, you can only we we're missing our entire left side as as a team with with jj out and also well buendia plays the left too and and moreno and and i think those those kind of second string players can do a job for a bit but eventually they run out of legs and felt like it was one of those games where if we'd have had moreno's pace and and maybe that energy of jj in there we we could have had a bit more of a hope in this one yeah possibly possibly um I'm, i'm still you know
1: keeping um Keeping an open mind about Zaniolo, though, because I, I do think he's—he's. He's, I mean, he's had a obviously, a, you know, really difficult three or four weeks with the allegations um, and that you know that case in Italy, the betting um, issue in in Italy um, hanging over him. But he's 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 playing, and I think if if we can accuse him of anything, it's maybe just just trying a bit too hard you know, a little bit like, like, um, Buendia at times, um, you know, really desperate to make an impact, desperate to get a, you know, a goal or an assist just to, just to get him himself up off and running. And I think he's, he's perhaps snatching at things a little bit. He's perhaps taking, taking on dribbles that he shouldn't be, um, and so on. But, you know, I like his, I like his, his endeavor and I, I like players that you know keep getting up and having a go and um, and that's certainly him. We praise Watkins for that don't we you know he doesn't shy away you know he keeps keeps going and and um, you know you know I'd, obviously it didn't pay off for him and he got hooked again at half time but yeah, we found we saw in the second half, didn't we, when Bailey came on here <laughs> which is the same problem. And I,
0: I think in, in Zaniolo's de- defence, and, and I'm the same as you Andy, I like the cut of his jib, he, he kind of, he's my kind of player, he's kind of all arms and legs and a little bit of swagger about him, I, I like that, but I think he's playing way more football than we planned for him to play at this stage of the season. Let's let's not forget, he's not far removed from double cruciates, isn't it? And it's not like he played tons of football last year either. So his workload is, is probably way higher than anyone had predicted at this stage of the season. And I also think he's slightly out of position. I think ideally we brought him in to play back up for Diaby maybe in that second striker role and you know play the odd game on the left maybe the odd game on the right but he's being asked to play you know out of position in a new country dealing with all the personal stuff whilst playing way more minutes than he's used to play and I think we're just seeing naturally a player that could do with a run out of the out of the side and I think We've got an international break coming up, haven't we? And I think it's probably good timing that some some players will get some rest and and it gives us a chance to get the likes of Moreno and, and Ramsey back fully fit so that we can could just take a couple of guys out of the firing line. I think they just need a week off. Take them some sunshine, Andy. Like Give them, give them a warm weather training <laughs> break or something. It's November. We all feel like we need yeah. it. Yeah, I'll definitely I'll,
1: I'll definitely be up for that but um maybe not the training bit but uh, <laughs> you know certainly the warm weather. Um yeah, I mean, you know, we'll we'll see and it's it, it, it's good that these players are all sort of sharing those those playing minutes around really aren't they and they you know they there's no it, it would have been absolutely no benefit for Zaniolo to be sitting on the bench. Um, for these games, he's you know he's got to play. He's got to get up to speed and up to fitness. And when he does, I think we'll see a you know really effective player. But um, yeah, maybe maybe struggling a bit at the moment. And maybe a, a you know a week or two on the on the on the bench wouldn't wouldn't do him any harm. Um, but it was a it was a really slow start again for, for Villa away from home. Uh, we've seen it a few times this season. Um, not really not really getting out the traps and conceding a goal early and it was it was ina um coming onto a on onto a 20 yard drive um to score the the opening goal after five minutes um nice nice finish inside of the inside of the the boot from 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 20 yards um Villa had just struggled to get their their passing game. There was a, a little, felt like a bit of a lack of intensity and concentration early on. Um, and the ball, it felt like, really for the whole of the first half, the, the ball was getting turned over far too easily in midfield and, and in attacking areas. And Forrest was just so quick to pounce on that and, and break forward with, with pace. Um, Alanga and Iwone up front, just just looked dangerous, didn't they, when they got on the ball and, and got Villa turned round. So um it seems to be coming a bit of a worrying feature though, doesn't it? Particularly away from home that Villa are starting a bit slow and and are conceding early. Um I mean, why why do you think this is? Why do you think it's it's happening and 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 maybe do they need
0: to to, to take a couple of steps back in in their game plan yeah it's weird how this happens for teams isn't it you kind of in, in the modern age when you're you know you're traveling to a game on your luxury coach staying in your luxury hotel the night before having your your perfectly balanced meal that the the club chef has made for you in the morning it shouldn't be that different playing away from home than it is at home and yet in the premier league it always makes such a huge difference it's it's amazing what a different crowd will do to a professional footballer, and that's the only thing I can think it is—is is, is dealing with the atmosphere. And and we mentioned the atmosphere was was kind of bouncing from the off. And and the best thing you can do—it's—it's it's the old cliche—but quieten the crowd down, keep it keep it steady, keep it quiet, kind of keep possession of the ball and get the crowd out the game so that it just becomes a game of football. But time and time again we're feeding into it by giving away those sloppy early goals and I mean I honestly don't know what it is sometimes it's it's a purely psychological thing the players don't like the routine of an away game for example but maybe there's a tactical thing here I mean obviously the Emery style is to put the foot on the ball and deliberately play slow like we know that as a team we want to play slow we want to bait the press but sometimes that can be a bit like pouring petrol on a fire. I think when you've got a team that, that are clearly wanting to start a hundred miles an hour on you and are going to come on to you and, and play for the crowd in the opening five minutes. I think that's when you need to box clever a little bit and be like, well, they're obviously going to be pressing us for the first five minutes. We can't dawdle on the ball as much as we'd like. Maybe you've. I'm not talking about suddenly hoofing it long, but you've got to quicken the pace a little bit. You've got to, got to shift the ball around a bit more than you normally would. And, and I think that's what I'd like to see. But, I mean, who am I to tell Unai Emery what to do? And the man's forgotten more. Well, this week he's probably forgotten more about football than I'll ever learn in my entire life. But he he was clearly disappointed. I think that was the interesting thing here. Emery said it was a missed opportunity. And and I think, you know, didn't question the mindset, but that was definitely the undercurrent. And I think that's all it is. It's got to be a mindset thing at this point because we're a different team at Villa Park, aren't we? Yeah, we are. I, I, I sort of think back to sort
1: of last season and, and certain times this season where I don't actually I'm not sure we've done it this season, but we we started sort of turning round from the kickoff and 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 attacking the halt end. And it you know, it really meant we we started fast and we would often score quite early. Um as a result of that. But Away from home, it just seems like a totally different approach, and like you say, it's it's obviously very slow and considered. But I I wonder if, like you say, it just it just gives the opposition a, a little bit of momentum early on, and and if they can get that goal, I mean, you know, it was it was a goal, you know, that on another day flies over the yeah. bar or, or goes wide. You know, it, it was, you know, it wasn't like we gifted them a goal. Maybe a little bit. Slow to get out, you know, and, and block the shot. That would, that's, you know, something I think we'll, we might talk about that maybe a little bit later. But, and, and I mean, I don't know, could you question Martinez's positioning maybe? I, I, I don't know, but it was a good, it was a good shot. And it, uh, you know, a lot of those shots do find their way in through the crowd, don't they? So, um, but it wasn't like it was i mean the for example the, the the goal at Newcastle the early goal Tonali scored at Newcastle that was more worrying because they got in behind us and they you know that was yeah they the, the, you know they they really kind of um what was that sort of example of box crashing that we've we've heard about that Newcastle are are a bit famed for um and we felt it felt worse than this it just this just felt like one of those shots that goes in you know it was a, a speculative kind of thing but you know it was it's just disappointing isn't it to to see that we haven't you know we've not woken up yet we've not got into our stride and we're a goal down and and chasing the game from that point and Forrest Forrest then can you know can defend what what they have, they can go back into their shape a little bit and, and take their time a bit more, can't they?
0: Yeah, and I think you're right. It's, it's one of those goals I'd probably put under the, the label of scrappy. It was a great finish, but the build-up for it was loose. And as you say, Dougie, I think it was, didn't get out and close it down as much as you'd like to, you know. I'd like to to not come over all Sam Allardyce. I'd like to see him throw his body on the line a bit there to block the shot. Yeah. Um, but I think it's... Uh, the thing that I, I find interesting, last year, I think back to the Chelsea game away last year and particularly the Spurs game away where we just... The, the Spurs game away, we just stopped the first half from being a game of football, really. We were deep, we were tight, we almost played that back six and then we went on to them. And I think this is partly because where we were in our trajectory then, like Emery still hadn't had time to get his his vision across to the players, so you have to play more pragmatic football. But I think he wants us to be a team that that home or away has a style of play and he's not going to compromise that. And so whilst whilst it it might make sense and maybe we get the points if we go away and, and we take that same approach that we did away to Spurs last year and we defend it and we try and hit him on the break. But I think ultimately over the course of Emery's tenure, we're going to get more points if we go and dominate teams away as, like we do at home. And I think that's where he's trying to get to is is to make us almost Man City-esque. You don't see Man City going away and locking up shot for the first five minutes to keep things tight. They just go and impose their will on a game. And I think that's ultimately where we're going. But much like the playing out the back was when Emery first took over, there's going to be some growing pains and it's going to take time for the team and the club to adjust to that, that style, I guess. But doesn't make it any less painful as it happens but it my hope is that in a year or so's time much as we look at passing out from the back now it's just we go away we dominate the ball we win games is, is what I hope will happen yeah yeah I think it is
1: just about sticking with it isn't it and sticking with the plan I did kind of because I always think back to that Spurs game that's kind of the that was the point where I thought hang about we've got something here this this could be really exciting and um, you know it was such a a solid away performance, and I like them. <laughs> you know, I feel comfortable with that. Um, but now we're trying to play how we play at home, away from home. It, you know, it, it is it is a little bit more dangerous because the other, obviously, the home side are, are going to go out and and try and, and try and beat us. So not like Luton last week who were quite happy to just sit in their shape and and hope that we missed all our chances. You know, it was um, it, it was it was very different. Forest wanted to to um, to impose themselves and and they did. You know, and I mean, it, you know, it, uh, Villa. I mean, it was it was very early in the game, so you wouldn't expect Villa to change their game plan too much, and they did kind of kind of make some headway then thereafter, didn't they, into the game and obviously were we're taking possession of the ball. Uh, I think they had over 70% of the the possession um, in the game. Um, Continued with that high line. It's really interesting um, how the commentators uh, react you know, and and everyone really kind of reacts to this high line. Obviously, when we win, no one mentions it, do they? But when we lose, it seems to be the the, the crux of everything that went wrong.
0: It's such a weird thing because <laughs> it, it, it's like the. I, I always find this we're used to it. We see it. We, well, I say used to it, it still gives me kittens. I know why we do it, but it, I feel like I get six months older with every close call <laughs> where the lino doesn't put its flag up. But, but you hear the commentary on TV and it's like they've not done their research, they don't, they've not seen Villa play and don't expect this to be what we do. And it's, it, it does take some getting used to it. It's clearly effective. I mean, uh, neither goal at the weekend really came as a result of that high line. And we we caught them offside time and time and time again. And and the benefit of it is, as you say, we had 70% possession. We were in complete control of the game apart. And it, it, that would have been wonderful had we not have conceded in the first five minutes, you know. And as you say, we we almost by conceding early played into Forest's hands a little bit. They were set up to counter-attack as it was. And without the onus to go and score a goal, they could just sit back and pick their moments. but to be fair, I've, I, the one thing I would say we had seventy percent possession. It didn't feel particularly threatening the first half. I don't know about you it, we, we had a lot of the ball and we were moving it side to side. It felt like we couldn't either get round them or through them they They defended fantastically. yeah,
1: I think um, I think that was that was where the problem was the, the it was normally. That possession, you can you can sense it building. You can sense that any minute the ball's gonna go through to to Cash or Dean, and they're gonna be in behind and and suddenly you've got runners going into the box and you can see it building up, but it wasn't happening. They weren't getting the space. And they were a little bit sloppy in possession. I thought Douglas Louise. And Diaby, to be honest, um, I think Zaniolo lost the ball a few times, got got the ball taken off him. I think Diaby was giving the ball away. He he, he didn't look on it at all um, up there. And 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 Douglas Louise had a bit of a, a bit of a, a loose sort of game as well in midfield. And I think when you've got players like that who 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 just can't hang on to the ball. And it gets turned over, and then all of a sudden the the you know the forest runners are off aren't they and 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 you you kind of you you know you look into to to recover the ball again and it's it's it broke down like that several times, and I think it made it everything look the build up was slow, and then the the the, the actual possession the passing was disjointed, so it looked terrible it looked really bad
0: on the eye. Yeah, it's one of those ones where it felt like we didn't have a plan, and we know we had a plan. Like we know Emery has the plan for everything. And and weirdly, when we lose a game like this, I'd used to blame it on the manager, but these days I blame it on the players because I know Emery's probably got it right. They just haven't delivered on his plan. But I think you're right. I think Diaby had his worst game in a Villa shirt. Probably. I don't think it was suited to him at all. And Dougie, were, it's two weeks running now where I feel like he's been loose with his passing. And it, we just weren't quite there. And I feel like, I, so. I, I think the biggest difference was one-on-one defending Forrest were fantastic. Their centre-backs were absolutely phenomenal on the day. Oli couldn't even get a sniff out of them and, and Diaby couldn't either. And because they scored the goal early, they could turn it into a bit of a street fight, really. it was They were sitting deep, they were pressing us, they were going into tackles. And I feel like we weren't prepared for that. We were dancing around trying to play football while they were they were up for the battle of it. And as I said earlier, it's games like that where you'd love to see Jacob Ramsey, you'd love to see Buendia, you'd love to see Mings. It's it's easy to blame a defeat on the players that weren't there or think they'd fix it. But I do feel like we lacked, we lacked those kind of spark plugs in the team that you need for those kind of, you know, the apocryphal wet, Midlands afternoon you you kind of need players like that for those kind of games
1: yeah I think I, I think this is it and it, it just felt like there wasn't the the drive I mean I I, I was thinking throughout the game like you say I mean you mentioned JJ but I, I was thinking of of Brende just that energy that he he would bring to that that team and it, it would you know someone like that in there would, would just would just pep everyone up, wouldn't it, and get things moving and you know whether he'd be whether it'd be effective or, you know, he's he's you know, he, he can be a bit a bit wasteful with the ball himself, but I just think his energy and drive would have been really useful in a game like that because no one else really provided it. I think once once things started going wrong for Zaniolo and and um and Diaby, they just didn't look like they were they were ever gonna get into the game, really. I think DRB had a couple of moments, second half, particularly when Bailey comes on. I think those two really seem to complement each other really well, don't they? Yeah, um, they got a good understanding for sure. Yeah, and and you know, obviously Villa were chasing the game. And they were snap, but they were they were snatching at opportunities really, weren't they I couldn't really get anything uh,
0: significant go in I don't I don't think. It's um, interesting you you mentioned Buendia it just made me think We last under Gerard we were famously a team trying to squeeze two tens into the the lineup weren't we in Coutinho and Buendia. And even though we we play with this box where we have two tens, we feel like a team without any playmakers these days. If, I mean, I know I know McG- McGinn and, and and Dougie and Zaniola all have their abilities, but we don't have that that genuine playmaker anymore, do we? And I feel like. Sometimes you need that, and again, when a, the opposition are defending deep, you need someone who can kind of pick that lock. and And I do think we lack that. A kind of it made sense to move Coutinho on, and and the Buendia injury is tough, but I do feel like we we lack that that traditional ten that you really need on games like today. Because because Diaby and 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 Oli and Bailey are all runners, aren't they? They need someone to thread them through, and and it it just felt like that's what we missed on this one. Someone who can. Who can, you know, like that through ball that, that Buendia did against Brentford where he just picks the entire team apart with one pass. You, you need a player like that. And it, it felt like this time last year or, or before then we had too many of them and now it feels like we don't have enough of them. Hmm. Yeah, I mean,
1: maybe maybe Uri Tielemans could, could take yeah. on that role and become that player maybe. Um, who knows? He certainly, when he came on in the second half, he looked like he was trying to... You know, make those forward passes and, and and play those. You know, break the lines with with, with those those three balls. Um, and I, I mean, I think he's looking better and better personally every time he plays. But you know, he's 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 got to get in that team somehow. I think. Um, but yeah, uh, it, I don't know. It's it, it is one of those. I mean, you know, I don't want the the thought of us kind of in in a few weeks thinking, I wish we had someone with a bit of magic. <laughs> we All just this need is a bit of magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just regress the whole year to uh to, to that kind of talk. I'm sure that won't be the case, but yeah, it sometimes you do feel like we just lack a bit of just just someone that can do something out of nothing and and, and maybe yeah, I mean, who knows when we'll see Buendia back, but maybe Zaniolo will,
0: will, could be that player. At some stage, we'll, we'll wait and see. You, I, I think you're right mentioning Tielemans. He looked great against uh, Alkmaar, and I think he, he came on against Luton did okay. And I think he's... I wouldn't mind seeing him off that left-hand side, kind of similar to how McGinn does it off the right, essentially a central midfielder playing wide. I feel like the game against Forest is a prime example of what he could do for us in that role, just kind of, I like him, I, I, I still think he, he looks like he's carrying a bit of timber and, and probably could do with being fitter, but I think he's he's a really tidy footballer and I think he's exactly the kind of player we, we could do with. and 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 I think if you put him in a more forward position, either a wing or as that number ten, you don't have to worry about his defensive frailties either. Mm. Yeah, yeah, possibly. We'll we'll see how um, how things
1: develop going forward with him. Um, of course, he might he might might well start on uh, on Thursday night. Um, so we'll see. Um, but obviously, second half came. We were obviously hopeful. Bailey came on for Saniolo. We were hopeful that. Um, you know we might be the ones sort of making the play and chasing the game and um it wasn't long before forest doubled their lead uh, the second goal long range shot bit of a speculative shot really by Mangala which um looked like a regulation save for for Emmy Martinez but he, he just kind of strangely parried it upwards over his head and it it looped over the line. Um, and despite his his best efforts to kind of run back and claw it out, it was well over, the, well over the line. Um, he'll of course be be annoyed with himself after, you know, we spoke last week after him him being crowned uh, the best goalkeeper in the world <laughs> just just a few days ago. But um I mean both goals were were fairly disappointing from a defensive perspective and a goalkeeping perspective, particularly the second one um kind of slow closing down not really winning the battles and i just wondered whether you think this is a case that with the defensive aspect of of the way villa are playing being quite complex in 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 many ways you know it is it's something that you know it's not your normal kind of back four is it it's there's a lot of lot of moving parts to it you wonder whether some of the basics are becoming lost um in that, and when we are up against it, we need, you know, bodies on the line a little bit, and that kind of digging in type of defending, um, you know, it's not really there. Or do you just think this is just simple errors, just, just on the
0: day? I think you have a point there for sure. We don't have many players who are of the profile of a, a kind of classic throw yourself in front of a shot player but I think this one as I say if the first one I could put labeled scrappy this one is an old school howler it's it's an absolute disaster for Martinez it's I think he he misjudges the shot for starters then he tries to to almost do a save for the camera I don't know why he's doing the overhand kind of punch away there it doesn't he could have caught that ball and then he gets the punch horribly wrong, it spins, and you could tell on his face afterwards that he'd made one. But uh, it's an interesting one, because I'm not even sure it's a tactical thing. I think it's a mentality thing. If if you think back to the, the defeats against Arsenal and Leicester at home, then Emery came out pretty hard against Martinez, kind of talking about his mentality and and saying that he, he wasn't approaching games in the right way. And There feels to be a little bit about that here. He he had the own goal against Luton, which, you know, not really his fault, but didn't have his best game there, didn't have his best game here. And I think he's been slightly off the boil all season, Emi Martinez. And there's, I can't help but think as great as he is, jetting over to Europe to hobnob with the stars and pick up your awards, maybe doesn't exactly put you in the best headspace for a game. Or, or maybe it's bumping into you, Andy, in, in <laughs> supermarkets that's done for him. But there's something, I think, there's there's something there that he, and understandably so, he's he's had the, the time of his life over the last year and should enjoy it. But I think for, for Villa, he's not been at his best. And I don't know at which point we start to get worried that the world's best goalkeeper isn't playing that well for us.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a funny one, isn't it? And of of course you get then the the kind of rather sort of snidey comments about the world's best goalkeeper, you know, letting in these 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 goals and making these errors. It's quite clear that a lot of people don't agree that he is the world's best goalkeeper and I probably am one of those people, yeah. although I, I love the fact he's got the the award. Um I actually think he's been he has been fairly solid, and I think he 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 makes a lot of saves now that maybe in times gone by we wouldn't expect have expected our goalkeeper mm-hmm. to make those saves, and then it becomes um, an even bigger surprise when he when he when he when he chucks one in, you know. So I don't know. I think it's. Um, it's interesting with, with, with him. He's, he's improved massively. His all round game. Uh, he's, 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 he's done incredibly well and he's responded to the criticism of of Emory after that Arsenal game. There's, there's absolutely no doubt about it. And he's a massive part of that team. You know, I can't imagine anyone else being in goal for Villa at the moment. I just think he's, he's, he's absolutely, um, the Villa goalkeeper, isn't he? And he loves it as well. He loves the club. Um, which which is makes it even more special. Yeah, I mean, who knows, who knows what going going to an awards ceremony does to someone. Obviously, it breaks up the routine a little bit for him. It's bound to have an effect, but that's a once in a lifetime thing for him, isn't it? And you know, it's it's a, it's a great thing for him to to have done. So, um, you know, no no criticism from from me in that regard you just hope he picks himself up now and this this week he he's he's, he's got his head back in the game really because
0: Lord knows what he was thinking with that with that save and you know when you bumped into him, did you manage to spy what was in his shopping basket, Andy? Was he like, did he have too many wagon wheels this week or something? Or, well, was know, next time can you point him towards the salad or something? Well, he wasn't out shopping on that occasion. He was just
1: just just walking around with his kids. So, I don't know. I, I didn't get to look in his, his shopping basket. I do remember seeing uh, Johan Langer in Sainsbury's... Um, I can't. I, he had a shopping basket. I I did have a look. I can't remember what he had in there.
0: It was well, something next, healthy. <laughs> I, I'm less fussed <laughs> about the contents of Johann Langer's shopping basket, but I am weirdly fascinated now that you've mentioned it. So next time <laughs> you do bump into one of them, make sure to take proper notes of what's in their shopping basket. I want to know. Yeah, I will do. I will do. Yeah, they they um, it's
1: it, it's one of those things, isn't it? When you see see these people, you kind of. Look, I see, I see Tony Daly an awful lot in 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 around that area. He's always around there, and you know, you just got to got to leave them alone, really, to, to get on with their their life. You know, I'm sure they they have to put up with an awful lot of people chasing them around with phones these days and <laughs> stuff like that. But uh, yeah, Emmy was was good enough to let me have a, a picture with him, so that was uh, that was that was nice.
0: Put a not, smile I don't. on my face and clearly yeah. a smile on your face. And <laughs> you know, similarly to you, I love him as an Aston Villa goalkeeper. I, I I can criticize him because his standards are so high that he's set as Villa goalkeeper that the fact we're not keeping regular clean sheets is it almost feels like a surprise whereas that used to be the norm. Remember, remember when we had Mark Bunning goal? Like it's we're a long way from there and it's yeah. um I, I, it's just he's he hasn't quite been at it for me recently, and I think he is just. Imagine if he was your employee; it'd be a nightmare to manage, wouldn't he? He's, he's great for the dressing room, clearly, but I think he must be one of the regular headaches for Emery of how to how to harness all that energy that he must have. Yeah, I think that's right, and I think we've heard heard
1: Neil Cutler talking about this on several occasions on on various different interviews and podcasts that he's done you know, it, it is very much about, you know he is he is just that lively character, isn't it? And it's he wants to work and he wants to do well. It's but it's harnessing the energy and harnessing the the drive that he has and and, and putting it in the right way. And and Villa have, to be fair, obviously Cutler and I'm not sure who the goalkeeper is these days, goalkeeping coaches these days, but um do you know? <laughs>
0: I I do know because I I just sacked him on my football manager career so I was I should know what his name is seems i have just handed him his uh, handed him his papers but no I I think you're right I think he's um, it actually poses an interesting question because we all think of Emery as the tactician but we know footballs as much about you know wrangling a bunch of, of young men to perform their best on a pitch. It's it's gonna be an interesting test of, of Emery, the man manager as well, these kind of these challenges we're having as a team. And and we know he's he's good at it. He's done it countless times. But it's gonna be really interesting to see kind of how how he picks these players back up again. Because he, he mm. said it twice in his post-match interview, this was an opportunity missed. And it felt like it was, you know, when when your mum's like, I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. It felt like that from Emery. He was kind of giving the team that that kind of, that, that shunt in the ribs. So it'll be really interesting to see how they respond to that. Mm. Yeah, definitely.
1: I, 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 I did just want to ask you about Ollie Watkins as well, because, you know, he missed another... Pretty good chance the, the cross in um, I think from McGinn and he 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 couldn't quite get his head on the ball. Looked like he he should have done though. You know it wasn't a bad cross. He just didn't quite connect with it. You know he, always reluctant to criticise Ollie Watkins. You know and we know how great he is for the team. Um and he does score goals, he'd score some important goals for us. Um, there's no doubt about it. But if you add that to the Wolves miss, um one know, against Luton that didn't cost us but was a fairly big miss too. Yeah, yeah. Um and there's been there has been others, you know, and, and all strikers miss chances, let's let's be be clear about that. But I just feel that when you listen to the conversation around, you know. Strikers at the top clubs, so Richarlison, Gabriel Jesus, even well not Harland, because he scores lots of goals, but you know, a, a, a Nunez at Liverpool. You know that there's a lot about missing these chances and how vital it is that they don't. How important these that it is that these strikers at that top level put 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 these chances away? And you just think, Has our league got? has he got it in him to 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 be that, that striker that you can absolutely rely on to stick that chance in, in the you know late on in the game to get you back in a game or to win a
0: game for you. It's the hardest thing to find, isn't it? I mean it's why Liverpool spent God knows how much on Darwin Nunes and and he still can't seem to score from a yard but puts it in from twenty yards out. And it's I think I, I wouldn't trade Holly for anyone really apart from maybe Haaland, but I think the, the thing I always feel with Oli is he's he's a striker who needs he needs to be working regularly. I know he's he talks a lot about staying in between the po uh, the posts now and being a bit more of a poacher, but he's almost a player that I think thrives off the energy that comes with the odd dribble or the odd aerial battle. He he needs to be involved in the game, and uh, and I think against Luton and again against Forrest, he barely had a touch of the ball. He wasn't involved in build up. He he wasn't getting a chance to link up play either. And I just don't think that quite suits him. Like he's, you know, we all know the best poachers in the world. Think of your, your Linekers or your, your Inzagis. They don't touch the ball the entire game, but when it comes to them, they score. That's that's what they're there to do. That's what they do. And they don't care if they don't see the ball. And And Haaland's the same. It doesn't matter if he doesn't touch the ball more than five times a match, because on the sixth time, he'll bang it in and win the game. I just, that feels like where Ollie's going at the moment. He's barely touching the ball, but then when that chance comes to him, he's not in the right headspace to finish it. And and I, it, it's almost similar to Craig's kind of marvellous Nakamba like goldfish analogy. I mean, he's not quite a goldfish, but he's, you know, he's not a poacher. We're trying to use him as a poacher, but he's not a poacher. That's not his mindset. And I think it's, I think that's always going to be his problem for Villa is He's not a 100% conversion striker, but I think if we if we're relying on him to do that then we're asking the wrong thing from him probably. Yeah, I think you I think you make a really good point
1: actually there. I think and he's talked about that in the past hasn't he? Um I think having a it was his coach I think at Exeter who told him, you know, you know, go and win you win three headers, win three challenges, have three shots that or you know, set himself those targets to be involved, you know, involvements in, in the game and, you know, try and do that in the first half and the second half. And that, that's very much how he's developed. You know, he's, he's taken bits of advice like that on, you know, and if he is going to be a, a, you know, a a penalty box striker, then he's not going to have those, that, that, within his 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 all-round game is he and i think you do lose something from the team if he's if he's not involved like that um and i think i i i don't think he's a, a good enough finisher to to warrant playing him like that either you know that seems odd to say because he's been our top scorer for, for 3 years but i i just don't i just don't think he's he's sufficiently Dynamite in front of goal. For him to to just be playing like that, I think you need those other bits to his game to to make the team operate better. Um, you know, and and you know maybe you know and and to, to dovetail with the other strikers, so DR Diaby, who he plays with at the moment, can play that central role a bit, and, and Watkins can put, can run the channels or. And they can switch and, and, and play vice versa. Really, I don't know. But again, you know, I'm not here to to, to question Emery's tactics. But you, you do wonder, you know, whether there's there's some mileage in that. And, you know, you you make a really good good point. It's interesting as well watching Cameron Archer, you know, slam that goal in for Sheffield United, and the way he took that. You know, that's just not. Oli hasn't got that in his locker, has he? That type of finish, that early shot, you know, that completely deceives the, the goalkeeper. He's, he's so good at that at Archer. And obviously Watkins has got parts of his game that Archer doesn't have, you know, in a, in a big way. But, you know, that finishing, um, if, you, if, if, if Watkins could have Archer's finishing, he'd be an absolute dynamite striker, wouldn't he?
0: And that's it. I think, uh, interesting. it was a great goal, that Archer goal, but... It was from the exact kind of transitional moment that Villa didn't have all afternoon against Forest because we gave them an early goal in the first half. And just as it looked like the, we'd come out and they'd had a rocket put up them at half-time, we came out second half and gifted them another. So so we never got that transitional moment, which you get those opportunities, unfortunately. And and you're right, though, Ollie is an ice-in-his-veins kind of striker. And I think... While he's been told to not go looking for the ball, the match on Sunday was a prime example of one where, yeah, maybe go looking for it a bit. He was in, I can't remember the, the Forest centre-back's name, he was in his pocket the whole day, he won every duel with him. Run away from him, like put, as you say, put Diaby up against him, drop off a little bit, go wider, go try something different. It just felt like, yeah, he got kind of locked in in a bit of a bad place at the weekend. But look, this isn't a criticism either. We know Watkins is. I mean, he's one of the best strikers in the country. He's just as he is. He's streaky and he's on a bit of a downward streak at the moment. Mm. It's funny,
1: isn't it? Because only a couple of weeks ago, he was on a he was in great form and he was signing contracts and scoring for England. So it's it's amazing how quickly the the narrative can change and. You know, if he get if he can get on the score sheet a couple of times this week, he's he's back on fire again, isn't he? And 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 everyone's loving him again. So, yeah, this this is just the way it goes, and this is the nature of football podcasting. It, it cha- changes it. We every have
0: week. We <laughs> have to do the same thing. We've only got one team we can talk about, and now we can divulge into who you've met in Sainsbury's and what they had <laughs> in their shopping baskets. But at some point, we have to either praise the players or, or criticize them, and. I think you're right like I think it's especially the nature of goalkeepers and strikers too like anywhere else on the pitch you can hide your mistakes a little bit better but if you're in goal you can be perfect for 89 minutes or you know 96 as it is these days but (laughs) that one mistake is all you're going to get remembered for and the same with Ollie Watkins you could do your job the entire game you miss that one chance that comes to you that's all you're going to be judged on it's it's why those guys are paid the big bucks and And the slob midfielders are paid probably the exact same amount of money. But it's, you know, I'd (laughs) much rather be a defender or a midfielder in a Premier League team. There's a lot less criticism there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I think I'm with you there. But I was never
1: fast enough to be a midfielder. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, on to this week then. I mean, obviously disappointing to lose, but we've got a good opportunity this week, two home matches to, to bounce back, um, starting in the Europa Conference League on Thursday evening against AZ Alkmaar um, at home, following really impressive 4-1 away victory um, two or three weeks ago. Um, a win, I think, would significantly strengthen Villa's chances of, of qualifying, if not confirm it to, to a large degree. Um through to the uh, to the knockout phase, um, Emery went pretty strong in the away match. Um, so how how do you expect him to approach this one? Obviously with Fulham coming up afterwards on Sunday, any changes or surprises for this one, Dan?
0: I think it will go pretty strong again. I think if if nothing more to kind of wash the taste of defeat out of the team's mouth. He, he seems to like to do that. Um, I think you're right in saying this is a this is a big game and it will go a long way to deciding whether we get out this group or not. I said when I was on a couple of weeks ago that if we win these two we're as we're as good as through and and we're halfway through the job now. If we can if we can turn them over at home then we should be okay to to climb out the group but I mean, I expect us to go strong. I'd I, I probably think Bailey starts because he played so well against them away. I also wouldn't be surprised to see the the Conference League centre-back pairing come back in in, in Lengley and Carlos. He seems to like them in the conference, and and why not? <laughs> um, but I, apart from that, I'd, I'd expect Ollie and Diaby to both start. I think he'd want them to get on the score sheet. McGinn always starts, and I think... I mean, the only one that might come in, I, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised to see Dougie rested and, and Tielemans come in. I think it's, it's the kind of game that, you know, take Dougie out for a week, put in a passer, it might be the time to do it. But but who knows? I, I expect him to go strong, though. Are you going to go along to this one?
1: Yeah, I'll be there. I'm, I'm, I've got my ticket for it. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think you're right about Tielemans. i I think he. I think he has to start these European games now. Uh, he's got to get up to speed. He's got to. He's got to. He's I th- like I say. I think he's improving every performance. Really, he's he, he looks more confident um, every week, and he's clearly a, a classy operator in there, isn't he? And you know, it's, it's good to have these 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 options. Like we say, I think, I, think, I mean, d- d- Douglas Lewis got brought off, didn't he? Very late on against Forrest, but he he, d- he did come off, and I wonder if 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 they might, you know, sort of keep him on the bench for this one. Um, let Tielemans, Tielemans start alongside Kamara. Like you say, McGinn always plays. Um, and And, yeah, absolutely, I think Bailey. Bailey should be in for this one. It's really difficult, though. You do get the feeling that, you know, Duran's not there. You know, we know about all the players we've got missing, Jacob Ramsey, etc. We it's questionable whether we can really um pick Moreno or start Moreno at this stage. He's had no, no game time at all since last season. So um the options are relatively limited, even though we feel like we've got quite a big squad with
0: plenty of options. We we sort of, we're in that position again where we haven't really. We've got a horrible injury list at the moment and it, it's gone low-key unnoticed because we're winning games. But, yeah, Duran's out, our entire left side's out, Buendia's out, Mings is out. We, we're missing a lot of players who, who yeah, it's a perfect week. Imagine if you could bring in a Buendia or a Ramsey or Moreno. You, you, you're rotating without even losing quality there. So... I, I think you're right. There's not many changes we can make, really, especially in a... It's not a must-win game, but it's it's pretty close to a must-win game, this one, isn't it? If we've got aspirations of going further. So I don't think he can afford to rotate that much, which is why, I guess, clever rotation is the the name of the day. I, I like what he's done with the centre-backs, to be honest with you. I like that we've got this this settled partnership in Europe that he seems to have stumbled mm. across. And, and I think it's a nice way of doing it. It's... Um, Instead, you're not chopping and changing your back parents all the time. Then you, you, you know, they get used to playing together. They can train together. It's just a shame we can't do that in other areas of the pitch as well. Like it would be nice, for example. I don't know what what Big Daddy Donk needs to do to get a start because I feel like Kamara could probably do with a uh, some rest, but it seems like he won't get in the lineup anytime soon. So no. it's a shame that we can't no. just do that with a central midfield partnership drop in donk and Tielemans for for european games and give the other lads a rest
1: yeah yeah i mean it, i think i think den Donk has uh, been shaky at best has not he and the, the times he has he has played and it's, you know it's whether they trust him because it is you know it's a big game they've got to they've got to win you know if they if they have a, a game at the end of the group stage you know, where it's it doesn't matter, they've already won the group or whatever, then, you know, fine, you can you can you can pick players, you know, players like Dendonka, Chambers, etc., maybe and, and give them some game time. But I think now at the moment we have to win the game and it's it's really important because we don't want to miss the opportunity to, you know, to go a bit deeper in the in the competition having having worked so hard to qualify for it. So um, you know, Let's let's hope that they uh, yeah I'm sure they will go strong. I, I agree with you and yeah I I really enjoy watching Carlos and Longley at the back. They I just think they're both very good footballers, aren't they? And it's it's nice to nice to see them playing. So so that's uh, that's good. Let's hope they uh, they start and put on a good performance. Um, but it's, obviously the game will be closely followed followed up by a, a home game against uh, Fulham. Real chance to, to bounce back in the league and I think make it 13 home wins in a row, um, which is unbelievable. Um, an unbelievable run, really. Um, Fulham have had a, a bit of a t- tricky start to the season um, after having such a, gr- a great season last year. Um, but they're obviously trying to do without Mitrovic and, and Rao Jimenez. That hasn't really filled that void as, as yet. Um, the manager, uh, Silva, recently signed a new deal after rejecting Saudi in the summer. So that's obviously a a, a big boost for them. Um, and despite their early season struggles, Fulham are sort of a well-organised team and they will provide, I think, awkward opposition for Villa at the weekend. Um, I always think fondly of this fixture now after, <laughs> <laughs> after well, it was the away game last year that uh, prompted all this... Um, or was the catalyst, let's say, for the the massive improvement that we've seen when obviously Gerald was sacked in the tunnel at Craven Cottage and replaced by Henry a few days later. Um but it's a bit it's, let's say a big chance to get back on track and 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 continue that amazing home record. Um do you think they'll do it? Do you think they can they can bounce back?
0: Well, firstly, I feel like we should make Gerard being sacked a thing that happens before every Fulham game. Whether he's manager or not, we should wheel him out onto the pitch and, and sack him on the spot just to lift everyone's <laughs> spirits. I'd be up for that being a new tradition, like home and away. But, I mean, Fulham are a basket case of a club. They You look down their squad list and it's they've got Willian and I think Adama is there and they've got Raul Jimenez up front and they've got... Paulinho wants to go to Bayern Munich and it's just a crazy team that makes no sense whatsoever but they've got a really really good manager and they've got a good goalkeeper too and I think it's um, I I think they're probably a good team to play at Villa Park after we've just lost a game because they they don't have much in the way of teeth and they're, they're not great defensively away from home but they'll be hard to break down but we should win this. If we don't win this, then we, we've got to stop looking up the table and and start reverting to our usual position in the middle of the pack that, that we've, we've become used to aiming for. But they should be there for the taking. But, you know, it's Villa, it's... We always say this. It's it's hard to shake off the feeling that you've got a striker coming to Villa Park who feels like he's not scored in in the last <laughs> God, decade. Chances are it. he'll probably score. <laughs> Adama Traore will probably oil himself up and have one of those games. And it's just I can never, even though it hasn't happened that much recently, you can't shake that feeling, can you? That if you know if you're a striker on a bit of a goal drought, come to Villa Park, will will help you break it. But that's the pessimist in me. The optimist is saying we, we walk this easily. Yeah. but it's.
1: I, I watched most of the game, the Fulham game against Man United last weekend and it was a terrible game of football. I mean, neither team were good. Um, Fulham do look dangerous when they break. I think Willian, you know, 34 years of age, but he's, he's fast and direct. Obviously still has a lot of quality, but they do lack teeth up front you know they just haven't got I think they uh, Vinicius played um, last weekend he's a very very average striker but like you say you just need a chance don't you Um, strikers sometimes just need an opportunity and they you know they can get their their season or their career off and running again and you know we'll we'll see obviously there's a couple of narratives sort of ex wolves striker struggling for form ex Villa uh, winger <laughs> he's been around the block a, a little bit obviously you know always worries me whenever he comes back to Villa Park he's never done anything as yet no. but you know there's always a first time so um you know we'll see but I think Villa surely should have have too much too much for them at home and you know, I'd I'd back us to to go and get that that three points on 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 Sunday for sure. Um, should we do a
0: prediction for both of these games? Do you think? Do you think? Yeah, why not? Why not? Let's let's stick our necks out. Okay, I don't so... think I've ever got a prediction right, so I, I can <laughs> pick any numbers here. I've got a couple right, so I'll, you go first for Outmar. Uh, I think. Two one against Alkmaar. I think they score, but I think it's it's you know a comfortable two one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go three nil. Go I'm very confident. Oof. I think we'll we'll have way
1: too much for them. They didn't impress me at all. You know I know that I know they're probably a better side than they showed um, in the last game, but they didn't didn't impress me at all. And I think we won we won pretty comfortably. And I'm gonna
0: be confident and go three 0 um, oh, you you were confident in the away leg though and you proved to be correct there so yeah yeah um i'll go first for
1: fulham i'm going to go 1-0 same as last last year um but obviously not a tyro ming's header um olly watkins Ollie watkins goal
0: 1-0 I was going to say 1-0 as well, but I was, I was imagining something similar to that Crystal Palace game where it was a cash-deflected cross that eventually got us over the line. And yeah. I don't know, I just have a feeling it will be one of those games where they'll be hard to break down, but, but let's hope it's the opposite and it's one of the entertaining Villa Park games where we bang a cricket score past them and, and it's a good afternoon out for everyone involved. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope so and we can get our... Uh, our...
1: Well... I say season back up and running. I mean, it's hardly stopped really, has it? It's one defeat, you know.
0: <laughs> we missed the opportunity to go third, and we've stayed fifth. It's not the worst, not the worst weekend I've ever had. Yeah, no, we we can cope with that just about. I think
1: uh, so long as they win um, both games this week, we'll forgive them. <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining me, Dan. It's been it's been great to uh, to go through some of those some of those issues uh, from that game, and nice to have a have a chat. And thanks for thanks for coming on, um, and thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, once again, thanks for all your continued support. Um, look out for gather round again this week. I think it will be either happening Thursday or Friday, depending on on Craig's availability, and that will be on YouTube and then on all your regular streaming um services uh probably the day after um it's recorded. Um so check out that and that'll be reviewing the AZ Alkmaar match. And obviously give us a, a follow on all the all the social media platforms under a gaslit um and and of course the the website uh go and check that out as well. Um, but yeah, two home games. If you're going to the games, um, I'll be going to both. Um, all being well, um, uh, so enjoy the enjoy the matches, and we'll be back next week to to review everything and uh, and look ahead to whatever's next. I'm not sure what, what even it, it it is. I think it's an international break, isn't it? I don't. It know. is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we'll be back next week to to look back on the Fulham game. Um, but until then, t- until then, stay safe and up the Villa.